When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm your host, Coach Elizabeth. When I started running at the age of 29, I had so many questions and what felt like nowhere to turn to for answers. So now I'm here to answer all your questions about running and running adjacent topics to help you become a better, smarter, more knowledgeable runner. Whether you're brand new or you've been doing this for a while, there's always more we can learn about running. And now you can train with Running Explained wherever you go. Check out the new Run Club by Running Explained app. The Run Club by Running Explained gives you the freedom to build your own training schedule using Running Explained training plans, including training for races, building your base, post-race recovery, running for fitness, and more, and you can swap between plans as needed. Then layer on a running-specific strength training program that matches your goals and includes plyo, core, and mobility. Plus, you have instant access to a variety of resources at your fingertips, including training guides, pacing resources, Run Fueling 101, and more. Join the Run Club Plus for a monthly live group coaching call led by me, Coach Elizabeth, plus in-app chat support and other fun inclusions. Start your three-day free trial now at runningexplained.co slash the run club or by visiting the link in the show notes. And now let's get started. Hello, my dear friends. Welcome to another episode of the Running Explained podcast. I am Coach Elizabeth, and you got just me this week because this week we are talking all about how to run more, how to run more, how to increase your running volume. I'll talk about why it might be a good idea to increase your running volume with the caveat that more is not always better. Confused yet? Don't worry. We'll explain all of this. Those of you who know me, uh, regular listeners of the show, maybe you've been coached by me, maybe you are being coached by me or in the Run Club app or you followed a training plan, you know that I subscribe to a high frequency training style in that, yes, I do believe that if we are able to run more, the outcomes will be better and the research supports this. We look at large data sets of marathon finishers and Strava data and and uh, data that indicates, unsurprisingly, there is a correlation between higher training volume and faster finishing times. And this makes sense intuitively. Like, I don't know why this is necessarily surprising for some people to think, yeah, if you are able to run more, then you are likely going to be a faster runner. Now, one of the questions I get when it comes to this topic, this this statement of fact is that faster runners tend to run more volume, training volume, weekly volume. You run more days, you run more miles or kilometers. Faster runners tend to run more volume and also that higher volume runners tend to be faster runners. Like this, this is, this is a statement of fact. Now it's not to say that every single person who runs a certain volume is going to be able to run a certain pace or have certain race times. It's not that's not what I'm saying. It's saying that, yes, if you are a higher volume runner, you are more likely to be a faster runner than somebody who is a lower volume runner. Now, 
there are outliers to this, okay? Yes, there are prodigies. There are people who can wake up, roll out of bed, jog a 5K one time, and then boom, go ahead and qualify for the Boston Marathon, like without even trying. They are the exception, not the rule. People who are able to achieve really excellent uh, running goals on low volume run train, low volume training in general. Last season, we talked to uh, Coach Kim Netto, who talked to us about a low run volume, high training volume framework, right? That's different from what we're talking about overall training volume for people who are able to bang out really great race times with very little actual training volume, not just running, but cross training, like swimming or biking or elliptical, right? The foundation of your endurance training volume. That's exceptional. That's exceptional. But that is the exception, right? That is not going to be normal. Now, there are some general guidelines about what we typically like to see or expect to see in certain training volumes for certain race distances and categories that we'd say, you know, you're training for performance and training for these kinds of specific times versus training to just finish strong and have a really good race experience. And there's also the spectrum that we're looking at when it comes to what regular runners like you and me are doing versus runners who are really trying to be competitive as in trying to go to the Olympic trials or even runners who are trying to go to the Olympics or even then runners who are trying to win the Olympics, right? So we have all these categories and spectrums. So, okay, back to the question. The, que- the question the question, is that I typically get about this is, well, are they running more because they can run faster, like literally just faster paces so that they're able to run more than like me hypothetical person, for example, or are they faster because they run more? And the answer here is probably a little column A and probably a little column B, right? Yes. Obviously, if you are a very, very fast runner, if you are running a 10 mile run and you're averaging seven minutes per mile, because that's your long run easy pace, which is yeah, pretty common for runners of a certain caliber, right? That's going to take you 70 minutes, 70 minutes for a 10 mile run. That's a, that's an everyday, you know, normal, easy effort run length duration for a normal intermediate uh, volume runner. And a lot of you are thinking, okay, that's crazy. Like my long runs take, my 10 mile long runs take me a couple hours. Like, yes, of course, right? So it, it is a little bit of, yes, high, very high volume fast runners are able to run very high volume. And by that, I mean 70, 80, 90, 100 or more miles per week because on average, their paces tend to be faster, Right. We talked about this in the time versus distance episode. Back in episode, uh, back in season two, I would highly recommend checking this out if you haven't listened to it yet, talking about training by time versus training by distance. And I talked about the difference between two runners running the same vault, the same distance per week, but the time on feet being so drastically different because their average paces were very different from each other. And so, yes, one of the characteristics of people who can run very high volume is that, sure, yeah, if you're averaging, right, 
six or seven or even eight minutes per mile over your total weekly volume, you're going to be able to run farther in the same time than somebody whose average pace is in the 10, 11, 12, 13 plus minutes per mile pace range. And there's nothing wrong with either of those. It is just a statement of fact, right? It's easier to run higher volume, higher distance when you are able to cover that distance more quickly than somebody else. And this is where finding that sweet spot for your specific running volume and frequency really comes into play because everybody's going to have their own sweet spot in terms of what works best for them in their running frequency, i.e. how many days per week you run, their running volume, i.e. how much distance or time on feet that you run, and how much you want to run. Okay, that's the thing that I don't think, that I think sometimes gets lost in in the shuffle here. Um, If somebody said to you, hey, I think you could be a really great runner, but you need to work up to running twice as much as you're currently running right now. And you say, but I don't, I don't want to run more than I'm running right now. I'm okay where I currently am. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. That's nice to know that that could be possible, but that's not something I really care to invest my time in doing. There's nothing wrong with feeling that way. I think sometimes when runners, specifically coaches, but you know, in general, we talk about running and performance with the presupposition that everybody wants to run more and everybody wants to get to a certain time or distance. And that's simply not true, right? So when you have somebody saying to you, yeah, you should probably be running five days a week and you're thinking, but I don't want to run five days a week. Now, there's nothing wrong with that unless... Unless the goals that you have will require more. Let me give you an example. Let's say you want to run a sub four marathon and you're currently running three days per week. And I'm going to go ahead and say right off the bat, three days per week is not enough running for marathons unless you are also doing very high volume cross training as well and or your goal is simply to get across the finish line and you have absolutely not a care in the world about how long that takes you. And this is not to say that um, uh, days per week and pace and dedication and desire are at all like correlated with each other. I know people who train five to six days per week just to get across the finish line of a marathon, okay? But we're talking about general trends and guidelines and what I tend to see, okay? Three days per week is not enough to train, not enough running to train for a marathon that is, for most people, would be considered a relatively competitive time, right? Running a sub four marathon for a lot of people is a lifelong pursuit, right? For some of you, it's what you did without even trying, and you are the lucky ones, okay? And some of you run a three-hour marathon with barely even trying, and you are the exceptional ones. But back back to the three days per week thing, right? Three days per week is generally understood by most coaches and exercise scientists and endurance, you know, people in the field of endurance running. Three days per week is generally considered not enough 
training for something as intensive as a marathon, okay? Now, back to personal preference. Let's say that you have a hyper-aggressive marathon goal. And I'm picking the marathon because it is something that requires a significant investment of your time and emotional energy and often money. And it can take years and years and years to really master this distance and see your full potential fulfilled. Let's say that you have a really aggressive marathon goal. You've been running for a couple years, two to three days per week. You've done 5Ks and, and halves, and you've, you know, you're, you're reasonably happy with your performance. And then you say, well, I want to run this really aggressive marathon goal that is much more challenging than where my, than where my current fitness currently is. And you're only running three days per week. It is unlikely that you are going to be able to reach that very aggressive marathon goal running three days per week. It's just, honestly, like it's just very unlikely. You will need to probably run more or include, like I said, high volumes of cross training in order to improve your ability to then go after that marathon goal. Now, here's the thing. Maybe you don't care. Maybe you're like, I don't, I don't care. I want to do this and I genuinely don't care. I have no goal. My goal is to finish. My goal is to have fun, right? Awesome. Three days per week might actually work for you, right? I still think you should probably run a little bit more. Marathons are tough. Um, but the, the personal preference and where you currently are, that needs to be taken into consideration before anything else, okay? So you may have gotten in what are we, 10 minutes, 15 minutes into this episode, and you're thinking, I'm perfectly happy with where I am right now. Thank you very much. I don't want to run more. And the goals that I have don't require me to run any more than I'm currently running. Awesome. Please don't go away. But (laughs) maybe this episode isn't something that you are necessarily super invested in, which I totally understand. However, for most endurance runners, casual, recreational, serious hobby joggers, like me, I consider myself a serious hobbyist, obviously. Serious is what I do for a job, but I'm not a professional, right? I'm just a regular person out there running for personal fulfillment and for me, okay? But I still have goals that I want to test my own limits on. I want to continue to improve season over season and year over year. And as an endurance athlete, Increasing volume is often a part of that. Obviously, like I said, up until a certain point where everybody has their own sweet spot of a volume peak that beyond that point, it's actually counterproductive. And most often your body just simply won't let you run more than that. So yes, how can you increase your running volume if you want to? Let's talk about volume versus frequency. So I know that one of the very first places that most runners start, if they're on their own and you're trying to increase your running volume, one of the places most runners start adding volume is to their long run, okay? And I totally understand why. Your long run tends to be done on a day where you have a bunch of extra time compared to the rest of the days in your week. It's not uncommon for the everyday runner to maybe run once or twice during the week because of schedule and time commitments and who likes getting up crazy early in the morning except for you handful of people who genuinely do like it. I don't know how. Tell me your secrets. It's not me. 
But then on the weekend or whatever day that you've designated for your long run, you tend to have a lot more time and it does tend to be on the weekend, right? So maybe you're running once or twice during the week, then the weekend comes and you're like, sweet, I'm going to run all the miles over the weekend. Now, obviously, right? It makes sense. And you've probably heard if you've listened or read anything about increasing your run volume, you say, yeah, just add, add a mile to your long run every week. First off, don't add volume to every single to every single week without doing cutback weeks, okay? Cutback weeks are a reduction every two to three weeks of your training in your training volume and often also your intensity. They're an integral part of your training program. If you're following a training plan that doesn't have a cutback week, set it on fire, throw it away, get your money back, okay? If you are writing your own training and didn't know about cutback weeks, you should not be writing your own training, full stop. It's like if you're doing surgery and you don't know what that red thing is, you shouldn't be doing surgery, okay? It's not to say you can't learn how. You just shouldn't be doing it until you know what all the parts are. So yes, you, one of the things you may have heard is that just add a, add a mile to your long run every week. This makes sense, right? Yeah, okay. If I'm running six miles uh, for my long run this week, next week I'll do seven, and then following week I'll do eight. You've probably followed reputable training plans that have a long run progression. That's what it's called, a long run progression. That looks something similar. I've written plans that also contain progressions that look like that. The problem is, is that at some point, if you are not also adding volume, or balancing out the rest of your training week with an addition of frequency, all of a sudden your long run becomes the majority of the running you're doing in a week. It becomes unbalanced. It becomes top heavy, bottom heavy, becomes long run heavy. Now, your long run is by definition the longest run of your training week for most runners. It's between a quarter and a third maybe up to 40, in some rare cases, could be up to 50% of your weekly volume in several key weeks of training. But beyond that, if your long run is always 50 or 60 or 70% of your weekly volume, that's unbalanced. Why is this a problem? Because think about the, tr- the stimulus, the stress that you're putting on your body right? One of the best ways to get your body used to handling more stress is to stress it a little bit most days instead of stressing it kind of not at all. And then a whole lot on one specific day, right? And I think all of us have had this experience of like, we had a really low key, you know, physically, I think we can do this as an example, right? I think most of us as runners have had the experience of like, you know, nothing, 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 a whole lot. And then we're sore for days. Like you're just exhausted, right? It is an outsized stimulus in relation to the rest of your training week. It's unbalanced. It's not sustainable. And it's not the best way to go about distributing your training volume throughout the week. Now, I understand that we're busy people. I understand that you have a lot going on in your life. And like I said, I understand why adding volume only to your long run makes the most sense for your schedule, but it is not going to be the, it cannot be the only way that you add volume to your training week. 
And at some point you're going to have to figure out other places to start increasing volume as well. I actually do not recommend only increasing your long run volume when we are increasing our overall training volume. I do want you to distribute some of those training increases into the other days that you run per week. And if you followed one of my base building plans, and this is a great place to start. This is a this is a plug because I, I they're very popular because I know how much y'all need these plans. My base building plans help you increase your running volume safely, effectively, efficiently. Okay. So if you're like, I, I'm taking notes here. Like, what did she say? Like, what could the long run? But follow the plan. It's incredibly versatile. It's 16 weeks. Each of them are 16 weeks. Come in a variety of volumes. There can be useful for building volume, maintaining your fitness, recovering for after races. Like they're just honestly, I think one of the most valuable, flexible plans you're ever going to get. So base building plans, go check it out. Obviously they're in the run club app as well. Okay. I'm done. You also want to add volume to the rest of your training week. What does this look like? And for my kilometer friends, I do apologize. I, you know that I offer things in, in kilometers, my training, my coaching in kilometers as well, but we're going to work in miles today because, Hey, I'm an American and that's how my brain defaults. Let's say you are currently running 15 to 17 miles per week. This is a really common place for a lot of normal people to be running, right? You've run some races, maybe you've run a half marathon or two, right? But in any given week, you're around 15 to 17 miles per week, which if I do the math in my head is 24 to 28 kilometers per week, right? It's, it's, that's good, right? You're probably running three days per week and you're thinking, okay, uh, I want to run more, right? This is just to kind of give you an idea of general training volume. I think that 15 miles per week is a really great place to start from. And a lot of you are then coming back and saying, wait, what? (laughs) What do you mean start? Here's the thing. One of the best ways, like the whole premise of this episode, one of the best ways to become a better runner is to run more, to run more volume, okay? One of the best ways to become a faster runner is to run more volume. I'll be completely honest with you. And this is something that many other coaches also support. And what we've seen in our practice is that at a certain lower volume, if you want to get faster or become a better runner or increase your abilities as a runner, you don't need to, you you can't add speed. All you need to do is run more actual volume. That alone will make you a better runner. You don't typically add any sort of workouts in my coaching, in my plans, until you're at least 15 miles per week. What did I say? 24 kilometers per week. Why? Because as an endurance runner, you don't even have the endurance to support the speed. We got to start building the endurance before we even add the speed, right? So getting to the place of being around 15, and some coaches even say 20 miles per week, before adding workouts, adding speed, adding tempo, adding threshold, right? One of the most effective things you can do is just run more rather than starting to add in higher intensity because actually running more, not only is easy effort running easier on your body, but it's one of the most effective ways to become a better runner, okay? So 15 miles per week is a great place to be if you then want to do things that are starting to become more performance oriented or longer distance, right? 
15 to 20 miles per week is a great place to start before training for something like a marathon where you're hoping to finish really strong, right? Great place to start for uh, half marathon plans that then start to add some performance-oriented workouts, okay? But we don't typically see plans contain those sexy, funky, like, ooh, workouts that are going to help you improve your fitness to run faster times until you have at least a minimum volume base. Why? Again, going back to the endurance, the endurance component, the aerobic endurance component of being a distance runner, the foundation of your fitness, of the foundation of your speed rests on a base of your endurance. And if your endurance isn't even there yet, we can't start adding speed work. Got nothing to put it on, right? It's like making a like a five-tier wedding cake, except you're missing four of the tiers, okay? This is why elite athletes can handle so much work, like, like quality sessions, workout days, speed work, tempo, threshold, long runs, you know, all these things. Because even if they're running, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just pull this number out of the air, even if they're running 30 miles per week of what is considered quality session, right? Not conversational pace, but you know, workouts, speed work, threshold, tempo, goal pace, whatever it is. But they're also running 100 miles per week, right? So yeah, they're getting a crap ton of this quality work in because it is still only about 30% of their total weekly volume. Now, for somebody who's running 15 miles per week, 30% of their total weekly volume, right? It's about five miles. If you're training for really anything, and I mean, I you know, I, I support 5K training at the 15 to 20 mile range that actually contains speed work. There's nothing wrong with that. I think my plans do that. Um, but let's say you're training for a half marathon and you're running 15 miles per week and 10 of those miles are easy and five of those miles are hard. You're not even get your long runs aren't even getting you up to close to where you need to be for the half marathon itself from an from a finishing perspective from a finishing standpoint right you gotta have the base of your endurance solid before you start adding significant amounts of those sexy race pace workouts or workouts that are going to support running faster paces on race day okay so how does this all shake out like I said adding other adding volume increases throughout your training week, okay? If you're running three days per week, adding a fourth day of running automatically will pay huge dividends. One way to add training volume is to add another day. Let's say you're currently running three days per week. Keeping those three days as they currently are, but adding a fourth day, always when you add another day of running, the addition should be shorter and always easy effort. We haven't even talked about intensity distribution yet. <laughs> easy effort. The simplest way, 30 minutes easy. Or three miles easy. Or whatever, you know, thir 30 to 35 minutes easy effort. That's all you need to do. Add that fourth day or adding a fifth day, right? You may see plans that go from three to four days of running or four to five days of running or five to six days of running. What is that additional day always introduced as? a recovery run or a short, easy effort run, something that is shorter and easier effort, okay? So that's a great way. Adding volume, just add another day. Boom, 
simple as pie. Like I said, another way to add volume is to add actual volume to the runs you're already doing, but distribute them throughout the week. So it's not just being added to your long run. Let's say that you're currently running 15 miles per week. That's what I said, didn't I? 15 miles per week. And you want to add two miles to your, to your week so that next week you run 17 miles. Instead of adding two miles to your long run only, you can add one mile to your long run and half a mile to other two other runs that you do during the week or one mile to another run. The whole point is that you are distributing some of those uh, in- increases throughout the week. So we are trying to stay reasonably balanced, right? Again, we don't want any one single day to become really imbalanced. The other way to add training volume, of course, is to do both. And this should be done carefully with the understanding that training intensity also matters when it comes to acclimating our our bodies to more and that the most effective way to safely increase your running volume and to just train as an endurance runner in general is to keep a lot of that easy effort. And I would actually even go so far to say is that for base building in, in, a, in a phase that also is increasing volume, it's Volume increase is technically a form of base building. Um, If you are trying to increase your running volume, almost all, if not 99.9% of your training should be in your easy effort zone. Because adding more volume is adding stress. Intensity, adding intensity is also stress. Adding frequency is also stress. If you are adding volume and frequency, that's double stress. If you also have intensity in there, that's probably too much. Talk about kind of twisting the knobs and the, the le- pulling the levers of like when to toggle this or toggle that. Just simply adding more volume is a big stressor on your body. Don't forget running is a very high impact sport, right? It's not just stressful on like, yeah, like, oh, I got my heart rate up. It's like not nah, stressful on your bones. It's stressful on your connective tissue. It's stressful on your joints, like stressful on your muscles. It's stress that your body has to recover from. So if we are increasing volume and we're increasing frequency, whoo, that's a lot. Okay. But the intensity is really low. That's how we add more volume safely. We do it really low intensity, large volumes of low intensity work. If you were then also adding like, and I'm, oh, I'm going to make that fourth day a speed workout. Oh, watch out. Yikes. Because there's a difference between running a certain weekly volume one week, but never being able to consecutively string those weeks together because you're getting injured or you're really burned out or you're feeling really stale or like that's, those are called hero weeks. Anybody can be a hero for a week, but we don't want to be heroes for one week every five months. We want to be putting consistent volume on the board every single week that we are able to. All right, so we can add another day of running that always starts as a short, easy effort run. We can add more volume to the days we're already running distributed throughout the days um, that, that are already on our schedule. Now, obviously, that only works to a point. Let's say you're running four days per week and you're running like 50 to 60 minutes, uh, two days during the week and on the weekends, 50 to 60 minutes, and then like a 90 minute, two hour long run. Okay. So obviously if we add volume to the days we're already doing, 
we're only going to get to a point where either it doesn't make sense to continue to make those runs any longer than they are, or you literally just don't have the time to do it, right? Um, not many people have time to run for like 90 plus minutes on any a random Tuesday. Some of you do, right? But it doesn't make sense. Again, talking about balance, if we just keep adding time to or adding distance, adding duration, whatever it is, adding to the days we're already doing it, like, yeah, if we add five to 10 minutes here and five to 10 minutes there, and but we're staying at the same frequency, at some point we're going to get to, you know, two weekday runs that are like 80 minutes long, a Saturday uh, run that's like 80 to 90 minutes long, and then a Sunday long run that's like two and a half, three hours. That doesn't, like, doesn't seem like it works. Like, that's a lot. I mean, it can be done, right? That's not crazy for some people. But I would argue that probably for most people, especially the ones that I work with, right, 60 to 70 minutes is probably the cap a lot of people have for a weekday or an everyday run, maybe 75, right? Because you got to warm up, you got to do your thing, then you got to cool down, then you got to eat and shower and go on with your day. I get it. A lot of us just don't have, don't have time to do more than that. There's nothing wrong with that. And also, we don't want to make every single day into a 90 plus minute run anyways, unless you're an ultra runner, in which case, hi, <laughs> I'm joining your ranks this June for my first 50 miler. I'm very excited. But hey, even I'm not running 90 minutes every single day. That's a lot. That's a lot. Technically, the definition of a long run physiologically is 90 or more minutes. I mean, a long run is just your longest run of the week, but physiologically, a, a run becomes a long run that then requires special consideration, like more fueling and blah, 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 when it reaches 90 or more minutes. So just something to keep in mind. It doesn't make sense to keep those four days of running only and just keep adding more volume to those days only. Like I said, most people are going to tap out for their normal weekday, week, you know, everyday runs around the, I would say, 60 to 75 minute mark. It makes more sense then for most people. Once you reach 60 to 70 minutes on any given easy effort run, to instead of continuing to make those everyday runs, regular runs longer, add another day. Unless, again, huge caveat, unless you literally don't have time. And this is the thing that we run into, right? Because we're all regular people with jobs and lives and we're not professionals and we have time constraints we have constraints on our time right on our emotional ability on our physical ability on on like hey yeah it's one I love this running thing but I kind of also have like a life I gotta live and a dog that needs to go out and dishes that need to get done and a work I gotta go do okay now I don't want to say this to discourage you but this is when it's really important to understand if what you're currently trying to accomplish in your running matches up with the time that you have available to do to train for that thing. Nothing is more heartbreaking for me as a coach than when I am talking to an athlete who has really big dreams and really big goals and has absolutely zero time to actually dedicate to trying to accomplish those things. And it's even more heartbreaking when they have the talent, the potential to do it, right? Because a lot of us, right, we just need a lot more time than other people. And I'll use the analogy of, of uh, learning to play the piano, right? Some people are prodigies. 
I'm sure we all knew one or two kids when we were younger who were literally like musical geniuses. And some people are just born that way. Those are the, those are the elite world-class professional runners, right? Those are the ones, like I said, who can roll out of bed and run a sub three marathon. Like what? Like it's hard. <laughs> the rest of us come into this with varying degrees of experience and talent. Some of us need to work a lot harder for a lot longer than other people just to kind of get proficient, okay? Now, if you, runner, want to run the equivalent of a Rachmaninoff concerto for piano, you're unless you're really, really talented, and even if you are really talented, you still need to put in the work, you're gonna probably need to dedicate a lot of time, days per week, time per week, over years in order to be able to do that thing. What is Rachmaninoff, might you ask? Well, I'm gonna play some for you and now you're gonna understand like, oh. Now it's not to say that you or I couldn't learn how to play this, but uh, it'll probably take us years of dedicated work to be able to play at this level. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather go for a run. (laughs) Now let's say it's whatever the running goal is that's very aggressive and very fancy and complicated and something that is totally possible, but requires a huge investment of your time, energy, money over months and years to do. And you come to me and you say, I really wanna do this, but I only have three hours per week to dedicate to this thing total. It's not a lot, right? As runners, we know that the foundation of endurance training is time, time on feet, endurance, long distance, right? This is something, if you have really, really, really aggressive goals and you don't have the time to dedicate to pursuing those goals, there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to be realistic about that and choose when and if opportunity presents itself where you do have more time to go after those goals. I, uh, I did a consult with a runner a couple years ago who was trying to train for their first marathon and they were also uh, planning a wedding. And the wedding and the marathon were like back-to-back weekends. And this was a first marathon and they also worked full time. And this was like a, like a situation where those of us who have gotten married, understanding that sometimes planning a wedding takes a lot. Those of us who have run marathons, understanding that, yeah, like running a marathon takes a lot of training. Um, trying to do those things simultaneously while also working full time wasn't going to end well. Let's just put it that way. Because this person also had a, a goal for their marathon, a time-based goal. Now, you know me, for your first marathon, I don't care how talented you are, the very first goal you should have with the marathon is to finish it, okay? Then we can talk about super sexy, fancy time goals for the second, third, fourth marathons. The first time you run a marathon, yes, you can have a goal you hope to reasonably finish in, right? But your ultimate goal, and I mean this with all the love in the world, your ultimate goal should be to finish because you don't know what it's like to run something that long. Same with a half. Honestly, same with any distance that you're running for the first time. First time you run a new longer distance, the very first time you race that distance, the whole point is just to figure out what it's all about. Now, 
I say this, the whole like volume, frequency, performance goals, all these things is because I oftentimes see when runners are struggling with um, why have I not achieved this goal yet? It's that their expectation of the timeline is unrealistic based on the investment of their own time they're currently able to make. Okay. I've said previously, you know, your, your running goals are probably totally achievable, just not on the timeline that you are expecting to achieve them on. And this is doubly and triply true if you also have a lot of other stuff going on in your life, right? Work, school, family, obligations, other hobbies, extracurriculars, all these other things that as we, you know, grow up, We have more obligations on our time. I think for those of us who are no longer in our 20s can remember being like 23 and yeah, feeling like, okay, I feel like I have so much going on in my life right now. And looking back and saying, oh, my sweet summer child, you had literally no responsibilities except to make sure your rent was paid and you showed up to work on time. Every other thing in your life was essentially responsibility free, right? Um, That changes as we have partners and have children and have homes and pets and have parents that we need to care for these the equation changes right the time that we have available to do this thing that we love tends to be something that time becomes even more precious now the the way to make the most of the precious time that you do have to train again is not to train as hard as you possibly can the most effective way to be consistent and run more over long periods of time is to run the majority, if not almost all of your training volume when you're actively trying to build training volume as the goal of your training cycle at an easy effort, okay? And I am going to talk about how important easy effort running is until I am blue in the face and I don't know, dead, probably. I will be on my deathbed saying, but was it easy? Were you fully conversational? Like, but for real, could you call to your best friend and chit chat? (laughs) If not, you're probably running too hard. Yes, I will keep talking about this until the day that I die because it is that important for you as an endurance runner. The most incredible thing that I've ever seen is how many people who, after listening to me or somebody like me, actually running easy on most of their runs instead of fake easy or kind of easy or I don't know it didn't feel hard but it wasn't easy stuck at a place of not being able to run more than maybe 20 or 25 miles per week despite trying to because something always would happen they would get little injuries that would pop up or just feel really burned out or like it just never really happened they could do it for one week and then nope then need to take a couple days off It's amazing what you can accomplish running volume wise when you actually run most of your volume easy. I swear to God, I wouldn't be talking. This is not a scam. Like I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not trying to scam you. I'm not trying to lie to you. I'm trying to tell you the truth. This is a secret that's not a secret. The secret to running more is to slow the heck down and run most of your volume easy. What about the 10% rule, you might ask? I've heard about this 10% rule. Is it a thing? Um, So the 10% rule is a, uh, a it's not a rule. Call it the rule. It's not a rule. 
but it's a rule. They say, oh yes, when you are, when you are increasing your training volume, limit your week over week increases to 10%. That way you'll be able to safely increase your running volume and blah, 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 blah. It's actually not a bad guideline. Um, this helps again, limit massive jumps in training volume. That's something I didn't even talk about before. You shouldn't be doubling your volume every week. Uh, you should be slowly adding volume a couple miles at a time per week is a reasonable guideline. The 10% rule, not a rule, is a reasonable guideline, okay? If you're running 20 miles in week one, 10% increase looks like 22 miles in week two. 10% of week two is 24.2 miles, okay? conservative, right? But again, we're not trying to be heroes. We are trying to be consistent. Yeah, you probably could run 20 miles one week and then 40 miles the next week. But again, not trying to be a hero. One of the fastest ways to injury is to increase your training volume very, 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 very aggressively. Seriously, it's just it, honestly. I mean, there's a lot of ways we can get injured as runners, but 90 this is not, I'm making up this number. I'd say 90% of the running injuries that runners sustain are because of mismanaged training load increases. And training load can mean training volume, it can mean training frequency, it can mean training intensity or a combination of all of the above. And training load in conjunction with other life stuff, right? So yes, the 10% guideline, it's not a terrible suggestion, but it does break down at very low volume and very high volume. Um, what do I mean by this? So if you are running five miles per week, right? A 10% increase is half a mile. But you could probably increase more than that week over week without it being a problem. And if you're already running 100 miles per week and try to increase 10%, that's 110 miles, right? And if you go 10% up from there, 10% of 11, that's 121 miles. Oh my God, in two weeks, you've increased 20%. Yeesh. Careful, careful, careful. That's too much, right? So you can see this is, this is a guideline that works. I would say it works best as a guideline for people in the, mm, I would say 15 to 30 mile per week range, right? Beyond that, we do start getting pretty aggressive compounding increases. If somebody took the 10% rule literally, here's what that might look like if you started at 35 miles per week, okay? In week one, you're running 35 miles per week. In week two, you run 38 and a half miles per week. It's a 10% increase. In week three, you're running 42 and change, okay? So we're already running, in, in three weeks, we've gone up seven miles, okay. The fourth week, it's a cutback week. Now for cutback weeks, like I said, cutback weeks are essential to training. I typically, the common way to position them is you have three weeks up, one week down. Um, this is different from a taper. A cutback week for some people, even in maintenance, you might be every five or six weeks. If you are an injury prone uh, runner or a master's runner, maybe every two weeks. But yes, generally speaking, you build through three weeks and then take a cutback week. Um, cutback weeks, it depends anywhere from 15 to 50% volume reductions. In this example, we're going to go back to 35 miles per week. Okay. The following week, when we are going back to a building week, this is where people get really messed up with volume increases. You don't 
re have to rebuild from your down week, right? The whole point is the down week is an intentional large reduction or an intentional reduction from quote unquote the norm or your base or what you are currently able to do as a matter of course. So typically when we are in this volume building scenario, the more aggressive way to build would be to return to the highest previous volume, right? So the volume you did in week three is so we going back to 42 miles and change. The less aggressive way to do the volume increase, which would not be following the 10% guideline, um, would be to go back to your week two volume, 38 miles, right? So what would this, that would be a that would be a more conservative way, but again, not a 10% um, increase. I would probably recommend the less aggressive one, right? Just for a whole bunch of reasons. So the less aggressive way would look 35, 38 and a half, 42 and change, cut back to 35 go back to 38, then go back to 42, and then increase more, okay? That is that is probably the most appropriate way to start looking at volume increases. If you, though, follow the 10% guideline to the letter, as a lot of runners tend to learn about concepts like the 10% rule or about 80-20 and get really, really caught up in the actual like exact minutia of all of this, by the way, there's absolutely zero evidence-based practice. Like there is no research that supports the quote-unquote 10% rule. It's not a thing. Like nobody's been like, ah, oh, yes, the research has shown. Like, no, this is this is one of those things that it's like common sense guides us. And it makes sense knowing what we know about training volume uh, increases and training load management. But the 10% rule is not like a science-based thing. It's just a reasonable piece of advice that's not terrible to listen to, except there are always exceptions. And so if somebody running 35 miles per week took the 10% rule literally and did three weeks up and a cutback week and then three more weeks of building, here's what that would look like. By week seven, they would have increased their weekly volume to a little over 51 miles per week. In seven weeks, they would have gone from 35 to 51 miles per week. That is a 45% increase in training volume. I'm not saying it can't be done, but that's a lot. That's too much. That's really aggressive. The problem is, is that this poor runner was just following the rule, quote unquote rule. They were just following, hey, I learned, I just, I, but I followed the 10%. Yeah, I know, but it's not real. It's just a guideline. And there are always exceptions, even for this stuff that is science-based, which this is not. So there, now you know about the 10% rule. So where does this leave us? Well, maybe it has you thinking about how much you're currently running and ways you might be able to add more training volume to your life if that's something that you wanted to do. Now, I'm going to end this by talking about the general frequency and volume ranges that we tend to see at for different race distances and different um, performance-oriented goals, Okay. Now, these types of guidelines, ranges, tend to piss people off. And I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry if the range for a specific distance is more than you're currently running. Doesn't mean you can't do it, right? It just means that it's just outside the range, okay? And that likely, if you had the time 
and the desire, running more might move the needle. But again, if you don't care, there's nothing wrong with what you're currently doing. All right, so for shorter distances, and by that I mean the five and the 10K, we typically see runners being able to start to add speed work and put together a really decent race, probably in the 15 to 20 mile per week range, okay? 15 to 20 miles per week is really where I like most of my half marathoners to start. And for me, I personally like to see my marathoners be comfortable around 20 miles per week before starting a marathon training build. That doesn't mean that you can't do these things if you're running less than that. It just means that your outcomes will likely be better and your risk of injury is going to be reduced. You're going to have a much better time if your endurance is bigger if we are training at a slightly at those kind of starting volumes. For the half marathon, I typically see runners start to become, when I say competitive, performance oriented, right? Start to run like, hey, I'm really starting to kind of maximize what my ability is. I'm starting to get really good at this thing. Um, whatever that means for you. I'm not saying that if you run this much per week, you're going to run this time in a race. That is, that's actually not what I'm saying. But for you specifically, right? I tend to see runners get more performance oriented in their half marathon performances when they start to hit around 30 plus miles per week and start to get really performance oriented when they're above 50 miles per week. Now, some of you might think that's insane. I'm supposed to run 50 miles per week to run a half marathon. Nope. It's not what I said. Let's go back to our piano playing analogy, the Rachmaninoff, right? Maybe somebody's goal is to be able to play that Rachmaninoff piece, okay? And in order to do that, you're going to need to put in a lot more time in your practice every week for weeks and months and maybe a couple years in order to be able to accomplish that. Maybe other people are like, ah, okay, that's that's cool. I I that I wish I could, you know what? But like that seems like something I'm actually not interested in spending the time to learn to do. I'm really good playing this other piece of music, which also still requires my time and involvement and investment of my emotional and physical and monetary uh, resources, but it doesn't require all of the things that the other one would require, okay? Perspective, right? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you reasonably trying to do? How much time do you actually have to do it, okay? But I want to give you a perspective. And when we talk about elites, really competitive athletes, um, we're, we're typically talking about runners who are running at minimum, for the most part, 80 miles per week, even for distances like the 5K, Half marathon specialists routinely run almost as much as marathon specialists do at that level. So it's not uncommon. For the marathon, I having run marathons on higher volume and on lower volume, I can personally say uh, it's pretty amazing how much better running a marathon can feel when you have had the volume in your legs. A, a, a healthy, safe, good, sustainable amount of volume. Um, compared to when the legs have had fewer miles on them in general. Now, typically for the marathon, I mean, this is my personal perspective. Other people will probably have their own perspective. 
I tend to think you're probably not going to run unless you're really one of those prodigies that we were talking about, right? You're probably not going to be starting to think about true marathon performance. Like I'm trying to perform my best at this distance until you're probably hitting at least 40 to 50 miles per week in the peak of your marathon. Not the, not the base, right? Although the higher your base, the overall faster you're going to tend to be. Um, but we also know that people like we just saw the Olympic marathon trials in Orlando, most of those runners who are running those very fast times are probably running minimum 60 miles per week, probably for some of them much more. The exact amount of how much volume, especially runners of that caliber have for their sweet spot does tend to vary wildly. There does tend to be a lot more disparity between two runners at a high volume. Um, Like you could have runners, let's say they're both running a, a 235 marathon, one runner might run 80 miles per week. The other runner might run 120 miles per week. Um, and they're both running the same time. You're, it's less likely that you're going to see that at lower volume. And so it's less likely that you're going to see, you know, somebody running 15 miles per week run the same um, pace as somebody running 30 miles per week. And it's twice as much. Um, just something to keep in mind. And I don't say any of this to discourage you. I don't want you to think that if you can't run X number of miles or kilometers per week, that like, screw it, right? I just want to put things in a bit of perspective and let you know that this is what we tend to see if you have goals approaching the more aggressive performance oriented side of things. And also don't forget, we're not talking about one single cycle. We're talking about years. Thinking back to the episode from the beginning of this year, characteristics of elite endurance athletes. What did I hammer home in that episode? On average, it took those runners in that they were looking at um, 10 years, 10 years uh, of dedicated work in order to start then reaching the world-class standards. Okay. 10 years, 10 years. Maybe you're Wachmaninoff isn't out of reach. It's just 10 years away. Okay. Nothing is impossible. Just some things are improbable. There's nothing wrong with having really aggressive goals. You just need to put the perspective in what is this going to take? How long might this actually take? And do I have the time to dedicate to this? Now, for most of us, I would hope the ultimate goal for running is that we enjoy it. And we love it. Honestly, if you find yourself starting to resent running, to dislike running, to hate running, because you are forcing yourself to train at a higher volume than you necessarily would prefer to train at, I don't think that's worth it. Now, it's not to say that you're going to be super excited to go on every single run that's on your schedule. Right. That's not even professional runners who love, love, love to run more than anything else in the world. Even they have days they're like, oh, God, I don't want to do this today. (laughs) You, if you have goals, are going to have to lace up and get out the door and get on the treadmill, whatever it is on some days when you're like, I don't really want to do this. But you know what? Let's just do it. That's okay. It's when you get into situations where it becomes something that's not good, that you're not excited about. It gets twisted and you start to hate it, resent it. 
that's not okay. You should never, ever, ever sacrifice your love of running to meet an arbitrary volume, mileage, frequency goal to meet, honestly, even to meet a goal that you have set yourself. And I think this is tough too. I, it's interesting. I, I, I tend to find in talking with my runners that the goals that you tell other people about are the ones that you tend to be like, I can't let go of this goal because I told people I was going to do it. Okay. But like, if your friend came to you and said, Hey, I know that I told you that I really wanted to do this thing, but I'm actually feeling really burned out and I kind of hate it now. So I'm not going to do that. You would say, ah, oh my gosh, are you okay? Like, of course that's, you should do what's best for you. You're not going to, you're not going to turn to them and say, oh my God, but you told me, you promised me that you were going to hit this goal and you should do it no matter what. That's ridiculous. You should treat yourself like your friend, like your best friend, not like somebody you hate, which sometimes I think we do to ourselves. We're very critical on ourselves. So all of this to say, yes, generally speaking, running more over the long, in the long term, right? Running more and being able to run more in a consistent way it's going to make you a better runner, improve your endurance, probably make you faster, make it more likely that you'll be able to do interesting, intricate, sexy training, probably have a better time, not, not better like finish time, a better experience in longer distance races. So when you are planning out your next training cycle, and you have previously maybe been a bit of a lower volume runner, or you are a runner who's always struggled to run more than 20-ish miles per week or thereabouts, about 30 kilometers per week, because you always get injured or burnt out or broke down, whatever it is. One, slow the heck down. Easy, easy, easy. Fully conversational. I don't care if you need walk breaks, take them. Take them. Take that walk break right now. Do it. Two, think about distributing your frequency throughout your volume throughout the week and maybe a bit of a higher frequency so you're not having these giant overloaded days, okay? And then remember that this is all a process. You're not going to acclimate to double your training load in two weeks. We're talking about long-term progressive gains. Nothing in running happens overnight. But one day you will look back and say, wow, look how far I've come. enjoyed this episode don't forget you can always find and follow me on instagram at running explained and if you're looking for a coach or a training plan check me out visit my website runningexplained.co. that's runningexplained.co. see you next time this content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice diagnosis or treatment always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition